All right, how we doing, everybody? It is 6-4-19. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Chase Shellman is here for his Red Talk debut. We're going to talk about Game 2 of the Finals. And, of course, Shea Martin is here for our Bachelorette Breakdown. Before we get started, our show is brought to you by the great O'Shea's Irish Pub. Come visit the downtown or Baxter Avenue location tonight for Taco Tuesday and some $5 margaritas. All right, let's get it going. Chase, it's great to finally have you here, man. What a great time for it. The NBA Finals are evened up at 1-1. Fantastic game the other night. Game three coming tomorrow. What did you think of game two? Game two, man, I think the Raptors really blew that one. They uh, they really needed to win that with, I mean, KD obviously being out, questionable, Klay Thompson getting hurt. Steph, zero points in the fourth. Uh, so it was a good game. I think they obviously blew it in the third, uh, letting that 18 18- – 18-0 run startup. Um, the Warriors are known for their third quarter comebacks. But uh, I think they really needed that one. It would have been big going up 2-0. Kawhi's got to do more, obviously, in the fourth. But they're not sitting in the worst spot possible. But that was a that was a big that would have been a big win for them. Yeah, just uh, the domination, it seemed like, of the first two quarters. And they go into halftime feeling good. But, man, I mean, you know what the Warriors are coming out with in the third quarter. Anytime you watch them play and – we just all seen that movie before, and it felt like after six quarters of basketball that the Raptors were really going to win the finals, and then you are reminded immediately of who the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. are. Draymond Green, really, really impressive. Uh, Steph Curry, obviously absent from the second half, but still solid, still facilitates the offense pretty well. Klay Thompson, uh, when he went out, and Steph is struggling that bad, and the Raptors don't take that game exactly like what you said, they needed that so bad. Now it's not there. Now it's 1-1, back to Golden State. The series odds are now shifted back to minus 290 like they were when it first started. So, I mean, the Warriors got to be feeling good, but I don't know what – I don't know how hurt Clay is. I don't know how hurt KD is. I don't know how hurt DeMarcus Cousins ever was. They just lie about their injuries. I don't understand, but your guy Cousins, great game last night. What would you think of DeMarcus Cousins finally making an impact? He was so productive. I always have like a weird time figuring out how he's going to fit in with on this team. But the way he played last night, especially with the absence of KD, Clay being hurt in that last like five minutes, he played so well. His passing ability as a big man, being able to stretch the floor out there with the Splash Brothers is huge for them. I mean, he can guard. He's big down low. He rebounds. I really like the way he fit in last night. I didn't know how he was going to be, especially coming off this injury. But if he can continue to play like that, he's going to really hurt them, whether they have Clay or KD or anybody. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. He, he seems like a way better version of Marcus Gasol, of what the Raptors have out there. Because the Raptors are playing that style of offense that doesn't exactly mesh with what the successful teams of the NBA's years past have been doing, which is a center that's just going to go get the loose balls, a, Kev- a Kevon Looney type, a Tristan Thompson. And they're playing Marc Gasol, who's facilitating their offense, and it's good. And the Warriors seem to equalize that. I mean, Cousins comes out in the first quarter, basically punks Marc Gasol immediately. And although Cousins didn't score a ton last night, he's not going to score a ton. He's not going to get a ton of shots on the Warriors. But like you said, the passing. He tore him apart. He took Gasol out of his game. I think Gasol only finished with six points last night. Way, way different than what you saw in game one. Cousins was great. And, I mean, coming off that injury, you just don't know what he's going to be like. You don't know really what his injury even was, I guess, because of how the Warriors operate in that way. But, I mean, he, torn quad, apparently. He's he's already back to playing pretty well. Being in game shape. You yourself, basketball player, Spring Hill, Alabama. I mean, you're coming off a torn ACL, torn meniscus. You played basketball for the first time the other day. Tell me how you felt and tell me what you think of DeMarcus Cousins being back there this soon. So, obviously, anytime you come off injury, it's going to be a lot physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, mine was a nine-month recovery. Uh, it's almost been a year now since I've actually had the surgery. So, it was a lot to come back from. Um, obviously, didn't have the treatment that DeMarcus Cousins or any of these NBA guys have. Uh, they have the best trainers in the world. But the fact that he did come off this injury, which was supposed to be a torn quad, which could possibly be, be a whole year injury – and the fact that he was out one series and came back and he's playing in the finals, I think they're lying about the injury in the first place. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to go back to KD. I don't believe that's a strained calf. I, something's weird about that to me. If you have strained your calf, you're out a couple games or so. I think they're really downplaying the severity of the injury. Don't really know what it could be. But I think he will be back by the end of these finals. And if he's not, then 
I think we need to look at it a torn Achilles or something, or he's really hiding something severe to maybe help his offseason chances. But the fact that DeMarcus came back last night and played that well after supposedly a torn quad, like, I don't believe that. But his productivity was phenomenal, and he did not seem one slow step behind or anything. He seemed like he was full health. The Clay situation, I don't know what he could possibly be wrong with him. I really haven't heard much about the situation. You know, him talking all that uh, the trash about Drake in the locker room after kind of makes me think he's he's not super hurt. No doubt. I feel like if he had a serious injury and it happened that night, he would be locked in a training room. They're, they're trying to figure it out as soon as possible because they're not about to sweep the Blazers right now. They, they're going through the biggest games of the season, and they got to figure that out as soon as possible. A game coming up on Wednesday night – and he's out there, and he's he's saying all the stuff that he was saying about Drake. I mean, I feel yeah. like Clay is probably fine. If he's not, it's going to be tough. The KD thing. I mean, it, when it happened, it, Reggie Miller was sure. Oh my gosh, yeah, was sure that it was a torn Achilles yeah. or at least something serious. And it, KD, it's such a weird scenario because you with other players that are going through injuries, anything like that. When they're going into a contract year, that's a big deal. But KD is in that rare category of the top three players in the world to where it really doesn't matter. Somebody's going to give him the most money that it's possible to give him, whether he has a torn Achilles or, or one leg or anything. He's yeah. he's getting it. But in terms of these finals, I mean, the only thing he needs to protect is is, is the narrative and his reputation. And he's at a good spot now. It's 1-1. He, he can come back and all that stuff will be ditched and, and he'll be out there because they already lost without him once. So if they lose with him, it's like, eh. And when they won without him, it... I don't know. That that's the weird part about this series is you figure the Warriors are going to win somehow. But I kind of felt like game 2 was flukier than game 1 it in was. a way because Steph wasn't scoring and I mean the Warriors are just getting these giant threes from Quinn Cook. From Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook. I I, I don't understand it. I, I watched the Warriors a ton this year. Quinn Cook played no minutes. No. I was kind of wondering why Damian Lee wasn't on the playoff roster when these playoffs started and I mean Quinn Cook's out there and I tell you what, I, I guess he should be because he's hitting some big threes right in front of Drake. Him and Steph Curry are chest bumping. A lot of weird stuff going on in this series. But. The fact that he's out there playing this well, that's just that's the Warriors' narrative right there. They just have guys. They always have a fantastic bench. Steph can kind of shit the bed a little bit, and he gets backed up by guys like Quinn Cook coming out of nowhere, knocking down big threes in a game two in as Steph's not playing well. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And I feel like they always get lucky with somebody hitting some big shots down the stretch. Man, one of the most monumental bailouts in Golden State Warriors dynasty history last night yeah. uh, at the hands of Quinn. I mean, Quinn Cook was getting knocked down on some oh of those, gosh. and he was burying them. They're getting tip-ins from Bogut. Uh, Jordan Bell started game one of the finals, played zero minutes last night. Bizarre. It, it's, it's very bizarre. Uh, who impressed you the most for the Warriors last night? So... Steph, I mean, obviously Steph plays very well. I mean, he's their go-to guy with KD being out. Um, Clay played very good when he was in there without the injury. And I hate to say it, but the guy who holds this team together is Draymond Green. I don't like the guy. I don't like the guy the way he plays. I don't like his attitude. Not much about him that I like, but he is the glue to this team. He's been having triple-double after triple-double. I think last night he had nine assists, one assist away from a triple-double. I mean, he's just phenomenal out there. He's guarding the best player on the court, Kawhi Leonard. He's maintaining him as much as he can. I mean, Kawhi still had 34, but you saw in the fourth quarter, Kawhi didn't do much, and Draymond's in his head. He's guarding him. He's pushing him full court. Like, that's tough to go at him every time. And he's all over the offensive end, all over the defensive end. He just plays so hard. It's hard not to – it's hard not to – realize how great he is for this team definitely and the effort and stability it takes to guard Kawhi on one side of the floor and then facilitate their offense on the other side so much of this Warriors offense now with KD out is Draymond dribbling the ball and Stephen Clay playing off of the ball and running off screens it's not as much ball screen as you would think not with how all. good Steph is off the dribble and Draymond is just doing a great job of it he's become a triple double machine it yep. looks like he's hunting those stats like like Westbrook is, and I mean it's it's hard to say that he isn't, but it's also hard to say that he is yeah. because this is the NBA Finals, yeah. and there's no time to be hunting stats. And he had 17, 10, and nine last yeah. night. Very productive, very productive when he's out there. He's not really wasting much dribbles. He's not trying to do too much. He had I think five turnovers, but I mean those are questionable at times. To his nine assists, it's almost two to one ratio. Like you're gonna take that with him. But like I said, he just mastered the perfect role player. Like. 
he doesn't, he's not selfish. He doesn't take many shots, but he's just trying to get everyone else the ball. He knows who needs to score. He just does everything else on the court that no one else wants to do. And that's pretty, pretty impressive. And it's, it's so tough for a guy like him, who's a little bit undersized for his position, going against a defense like the Toronto Raptors with Siakam and Leonard and Gasol and so much length there to pass around. I mean, this is a guy that is similar to Ben Simmons. I mean, he, he doesn't have that outside shot. He's not even going to take it. So with the way they guard him, him getting 10 assists is, is so, so impressive. Yeah, it's, it's big time, especially for the Warriors team too. Yeah, and because I mean Quinn Cook, he's not facilitating anything when he comes in. He's a backup point guard, and he's out there to hit an open three, and man, that's what you got to do. McKinney made some good plays for them. I, I think Cousins impressed me the most, to be honest. I, just seeing that void filled immediately, and just that monster style of basketball that we've been waiting for from the Warriors, and they didn't even need KD for it. I mean, these are four guys that, if healthy, are on an All Star team every single year. And I saw Nick Wright, who I don't love. I know you probably love, too. He's a big LeBron guy. But he, he tweeted and said, DeMarcus Cousins may have been the best player to not make the playoffs ever uh, going into these playoffs. And wow. that's just a, a wild stat to even try to think about. But, it, I mean, a lot of teams in the NBA make the playoffs. 16 out of 30 every year. That is actually very crazy. I never and even I, thought of that. And if somebody is that good and just has didn't make it once, right, I, then I can kind of see where his argument is. And for him, I mean – Hurt or not, you gotta. If you have a chance to play in the finals, you think if you're 50, 60 percent, you're gonna go out there and do it. And that's how I felt like after game one. Like, I don't blame him. Get get out there, do your thing, buddy. Mm-hmm. But man, now he's he's productive. He's back. It's really tough to see the Raptors moving forward in this series. That 18-0 run you mentioned, though, and that that was kind of Golden State basketball at its prime. They come out in the third quarter. You know what's coming. Every Is time. this the best third quarter team ever? I mean, it's got to be. I mean, they've just they've changed the way basketball is even played. I mean, I think arguably Steph Curry might be the most influential basketball player of all time, just because he has changed the game. You see it at the college level now. You see it at high school. You see kids taking the Steph Curry shots. He's such a good shooter. Him and Clay both, hands down, arguably the best two shooters ever to play, and they're on the same team. They can turn the game around at the snap of a finger because they're just you, they see one go in. They feed off each other. They get hot, and it's hard to stop them. I mean, they're just such good shooters. And then even outside them two, you have DeMarcus Cousins step out and shoot it. We said Draymond's not a great shooter. He's a passer, though. You have guys like Iggy Dalla can knock down open threes. Quinn Cook knocking down open threes. They can get hot so quick, and they get amped up. They pass the ball. They move it well. They play defense. I mean, it's hard to hold a lead, and you can never count the Warriors out no matter the score difference in a game, it's it's kind of scary what they can do in such a quick amount of time. It really is. They just they start unloading those threes. They play so fast. It, bad shots just aren't bad shots to the Golden State Warriors. Nope. Like when when Clay and Steph take those ridiculous shots, you just we're conditioned now to not say in our head that's a bad shot. We're just like, oh cool, they shot <laughs> it again. It'll go in next time. And it really is what makes watching the NBA fun and what makes watching the Warriors fun is that incredible skill it just we go out and we play basketball and just to think about how if they're wide open they're never going to miss and some of those stretches in the game uh game two just that's peak NBA right there when you see these teams make four shots back and forth with each other Kawhi's hitting a step back and then Clay's coming down hitting a three and you're like man this is the best basketball in the world I think if you are strictly a college basketball fan and you if you were to watch game two all the way through you would want to watch the NBA more from watching that and no doubt I think that is the beauty of the Warriors in a way They, they have kind of messed up the NBA a little bit and they are the villain but I mean that is the essence of the Warriors like it, it's great basketball as a basketball purist you have to love what they're doing out you there. have to and as much as you want to hate them and as much as like Will said I'm a LeBron fan I don't I don't like watching them but you have to appreciate how great their game is I mean they just they've changed it they can come back so quick they just they've just revolutionized basketball and if you don't like watching that then you're you don't know good basketball because they have they're damn good out there absolutely and the Raptors had them. They had them on the brinks. It was looking good. It was really looking like this weird experiment of signing Kawhi Leonard and just ditching the DeMar DeRozan thing. The, the king of the city, arguably, is just gone. Gone. Kawhi Leonard, one-stop shop, for sure gone this summer. It's so weird, and it felt like it was going to work, and it was going to win him the title. And then the third quarter happened. 
what went wrong for the Raptors? Just at key moments of the game, your best player has to take over. And Kawhi Leonard has shown that all throughout these playoffs. Third, fourth quarter, he's taking over. He's hitting the big shots. He's getting to the rim. He's not really looking to pass the ball at all. He's trying to get his mid-range. He's getting to the rim. He's getting fouled. And he didn't do that. You didn't see that last night from him. It could have been a little, maybe a little fatigue setting in. Could have been Draymond Green. I mean, they were doubling him every time he gets the ball almost. And I know that's got to be tough, especially because he's not – He's got some good shooters on his team, but he's not surrounded by the shooters that the Warriors have. And that makes it makes it real hard at times for him to rely on anyone else on that team because he's single-handedly been dragging them. I mean, outside first game, Siakam, 32 points. That's very impressive, but you're not going to get that every night. Yeah, and when they've played well, guys like Danny Green and Mark Gasol and Van Vliet and Lowry have made shots, have made open shots. And that's been the difference for both these teams are the other guys. And that's kind of the Warriors, the strength and numbers thing yesterday. I mean, they all kind of came through, and the Raptors absolutely did not. Had some no-shows, and you've seen that from them before. They've had those games where Kawhi takes 40 shots. And in that Sixer series, it really looked like he was out there by himself, and everybody else felt awkward on very, offense. Very awkward. And then the Bucks series, the last four games, they really start to figure it out, and they're fun to watch on offense. They absolutely were in game one, and then game two, they're back to it. And exactly what you said, that double team from the Warriors – it may have changed the series. Them just forcing the ball out of Kawhi's hands after he got so hot early, it's just brilliant. because it, yeah. It's such a big risk. You saw Iguodala, not a good three-point shooter. Not a good three-point shooter, but if you leave an NBA player open with the whole side of the court <laughs> open, he's knocking it down. Book it. Change the channel. Check something else. <laughs> and, I mean, the Raptors, they had that every possession if they wanted it, if they played it right. Because Kawhi makes the right play almost every time he has a ball. And he doesn't take a ton of bad shots. No, he it's, never it's does. Not like Steph Curry and Clay. It takes him a little longer to shoot, so he can't mm-hmm. just fire right when he crosses half court. And those guys didn't come through for the Raptors. No, and that's it's been a problem for the Raptors all season. And they had a great record. Obviously, they played well, but it's been like I said, the backbone, the glue, Kawhi Leonard. He's if he's not making plays, there's not much because they're so inconsistent. Lowry is very inconsistent. He's either out there playing his hardest, he's hitting shots, he's making plays, he's playing very good defense, or he's not giving you much. There's really no in-between with him, and I've kind of noticed that. Siakam, he feeds off everyone else. If you get him open open shots, open dunks, he's going to make them. Van Fleet, been very impressed with. He did not have a great season come playoff time. Been hitting big shots. He's been playing very well. He's been helping Kawhi Leonard out more. But like you said, the strength in numbers with the Warriors – they got vets on the bench. They got superstars on the court. Iggy Dolla making that three last night. I mean, he lives for stuff like that. He's not a good shooter, but if it comes down to a, a wide-open shot, especially in the clutch moment, Iggy is going to knock it down. You can't leave an NBA player veteran open like that for a big-time shot. That's the difference between championship players and the Raptors to me. And, and the true. Raptors could still win the title, but that's the kind of guys the Warriors have and the Raptors don't. And the Warriors guys have proven it before. The Raptors... And they're still at a great spot. They can still prove stuff. They can still turn it around. But like you said, Kyle Lowry, there is no in-between. I mean, he had a a game in this playoffs, I swear, that he had 30 points. A lot of people just watched the finals, but I swear, there was a game. You can look it up. He had 30. I don't know. I don't know where that is. I don't see that appearing in this series at all. Siakam, his middle name may be inconsistent, but I mean, game one, you take that. I mean, you take game one from him. To. You take just winning a game against the Warriors in the finals, but it was weird. I mean, that series line shrunk. It was about even. Raptors up 1-0 at home. Game two, KD's not playing. and uh, They just, I mean, they like we've been saying, they, they really, really needed that one. And back to Lowry just a little more. I think he's a veteran guard now. He's been there. He hasn't been in the finals clearly, but he's played many playoffs. He's been a good team. He's been a starter his whole career. That foul at the, I think it was the four-minute mark, for him to foul out was the most rookie mistakes I've seen by a veteran point guard. I know every coach I've played for, that's their biggest pet peeve, a point guard fouling in the backcourt trying to get a back tip after the big has the rebound. And that's just idiotic. And I could not believe he did it, and he argued it, and he fouled out with four minutes left in a game two with Clay Thompson out, KD out. Almost a must win, and he shit the bed and did a dumb foul, and it cost. I think it cost the team big time. I I totally agree. That was one of the worst plays of the game for the Raptors. And you, you know, we say all this stuff about Kyle Lowry. We don't love him. We don't love his playoff performance. But they need him out there. If he was hurt and he wasn't playing like some of these Warriors aren't, 
we'd be talking about it. It'd be a factor. It would be the Raptors wouldn't be a three point favorite no. in game two. They'd be a two, a one point favorite. It does matter. And he wasn't out there during the big moments. And they made a little push without him. They you did. Know? And uh, it's it's a bummer. It's it's very James Harden. KD goes out, doesn't shoot for the entire fourth quarter. It, it's a bad missed opportunity. And I mean, you like LeBron. I like it when the Warriors don't win. So I mean, we missed some opportunities this playoffs. We, we did. I mean, we as an NBA as a whole, as a group, trying to knock off the Warriors and not let them win again. This one I think is going to be one that we look back on, just like. James Harden's disappearance. This, this, one's, this one's hurting. This yes. one's hurting big time. This is the year the Warriors should be taken down with all these injuries. They haven't been playing well. Houston should have had them. They obviously didn't. Damian couldn't do it. CJ couldn't do it. And now the fact that they're out like this and the Raptors, as strong as they looked in that first game last night, showed a whole lot. Going back to Oakland, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough for them. So we'll see what they got. But like we've been saying – I mean, that was a quick turnaround last night. The quickest of turnarounds. And the other worst play of the game, arguably for the Raptors, I don't really think is arguable, and it's that last possession on defense. Uh, I don't really know what they were going for. I'm a big, big uh, play-it-out guy, a big let's-not-foul guy, especially when Steph Curry has the ball. Because Steph Curry's for sure hitting automatic. one of two, or probably two of two free throws. So you you already know what's going to happen. It's like 92% that that's what's going to happen. But Draymond Green dribbled the ball on that possession for six or seven seconds, and Too they just long. looked at him. And I can't blame Toronto's coach, but because if, if you go back and look at it, he's telling them to foul literally the entire possession. And they don't foul. They trap Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and he walks. And then it goes to Livingston, who kicks it out to Iguodala, who ends up being wide open. And Mark Jackson loves the shot. Jeff Van Gundy hates the shot. And I think a lot of people could go different ways on it. But the shot went in, and the game's over. And it just the, the Spurs Dagger. did something very similar against the Nuggets where they didn't foul, and it cost them the series and just wasted it out. And it, if Steph dri- was dribbling the whole possession, I would understand them doing that a little bit. But – uh, this isn't 2K. You can't just grab the rebound and the second it touches your palm, call a timeout. It, time is, is time. And it's there taken. was a three-second difference. And Iguodala did shoot it with seven seconds left. I guess you live with that. But what are your thoughts on that final Warriors possession? I mean, like you said, Draymond dribbling it at half court six times. The coaches are clearly screaming for a foul. As a player, you have to know time and situation. You need to know shot clock. You need to know time. And you need to know the score. I think you foul right there. I think it's a almost for sure thing. He was the worst, arguably probably the worst free throw shooter for the Warriors out there. You know they're trying to get the ball to Steph. You make the mistake trying to double him, letting him pass it to the best free throw shooter of the game scene. They have a great trap on him, very smart, I think, to trap him instead of fouling immediately. He throws a horrendous pass. Livingston makes a great play, kicked it to wide open Iguodala. I think it was a great shot by Iguodala. I think he's a veteran. He lives for moments like that. He's wide open. I mean, I'd rather him – he is the worst free throw shooter on that team. So, I think that was a better percentage, him taking that, than a couple free throws big time. Um, but they should have fouled. I mean, just like you said, bringing back the Nuggets. The Nuggets losing – I mean, that game seven by not fouling. And Steph getting trapped in the corner and throwing another bad pass. I mean, he he's not handling those pressures too well down the fourth. And, I mean, most guys would get critiqued for that. But the fact that – his players, those role players that we keep putting emphasis on, are making big time plays. Iguodala, Iguodala making the dagger to end that game too. I mean, that's big time. But the Raptors right there. I mean, you got to handle it better. You got to know it, and you got to make a play there, and not let a wide open three happen. Absolutely. I mean, Iguodala just time after time. He's not going to win Finals MVP this year, but he's made play after play down this postseason run and. I mean, Steph did something like that at the end of the Rockets series, too, and where he's trapped yeah. in the corner and he throws it to no man's land. And it looks like the Rockets are going to steal it. And then the Warriors just lay it up or, or hit a wide open three. Always. They're very good, but they're very lucky as well. And I, that's, that's the weird part of that last possession is they kind of played it right in a way because they had the trap. And if, when you're watching it on TV from the broadcast angle, it looks like Kawhi Leonard's going to steal that pass and he's oh, going to take off it. with it. I, I for sure thought when it left Steph's hands. And th- But why they had to foul is 
Steph was the only f- player on the floor for the Warriors that you really don't want on the line. Very and true. I, you look at some NBA teams, like the Warriors in some games, when they do some subbing and they put KD at center and they're totally healthy and they have Steph and Clay Thompson out there with Quinn Cook and KD, you can't foul any of those Nobody. guys. And last night, I mean, like you said, Livingston, Iguodala, Draymond Green, they're all on the floor. You can foul any of those guys and they don't. Don't. And that, that, that's what was so weird. And just the finals are so important and every possession is so important. And just to have that big, I, I would be mad if, if our team did that. You know, in a men's league, I, I would be freaking out. I'd be Furious. sending some angry group texts to the guys <laughs> at just, what, what are we doing? Do we want to keep playing basketball? And just, ah, I don't know. N- not very good from the Raptors. Let's talk about this guy, Drake. Drake, he's got some good songs, he's everywhere. I just Everywhere. want to know what you think about his existence throughout this playoffs. It's it's prominent. It's alarming. It is. It's been it's been very entertaining. I mean, Drake's obviously an entertainer. I think it's a little ridiculous at times, especially at the home games for the Raptors. This isn't a high school JV team. You can't be on the court. You can't be rubbing Coach Nurse's back. You can't be damn near in the timeouts. <laughs> I mean, it's been a little ridiculous. To get in Draymond and Steph's face after game one, like, come on, dude. Like, I understand you're Drake, part owner of the Raptors, biggest name to come from Toronto, blah, 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 but you got to back up a little bit. The NBA put the regulation, they got a hold of him, told him he needs to calm it down, and he shows up with a signed Del Curry jersey on and is in Steph and Draymond's face after the game, posting pictures, talking smack. It's been funny, and I am enjoying it a little bit just because it adds even more to the game, but the fact that they're blowing it up this much and that he is being a little too extra with it, I think it's funny, but it needs to get it needs to get cut a little bit. Like I said, it isn't a high school basketball game. You can't be doing that. This is the best basketball in the world. So I have decided that I like it. I like it. I, I kind of I think it's funny, you it's know. Funny. And, and really, I, I kind of get how he's acting. So the Raptors have never won the title. They never been this far before. So how's he supposed to know how to act? He's just got the camera on him. Every Raptors fan in there may be acting like that, you know. It, this is when the Cubs won the World Series for 2000, 2016. I was acting crazy. A fool. Every single game, you know, Dexter Fowler hits a leadoff home run. We go up one nothing. It's one nothing. Each team has twenty seven outs to get in this baseball game. I mean, we're flipping the table. We're running around the neighborhood. It, it's hard to know how to act when you've never been there before. There's nothing wrong with never being there before. I agree. And only one team can win it all every year. Usually, it's the worst. Um, I kind of get it. Yeah, I think that this shows that Drake like really, really likes the Raptors. And I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. The only thing I'd say is, Drake, you got to be careful, guy. Very careful. The Warriors seem to be feeding into this a little bit. I've already mentioned Steph Curry runs down. Weird, weird moment. I mean, he's checking in at the scores table. Quinn Cook hits a three, bang, in your face. Gets knocked down right in front of Drake. And they, like, jump up and chest bump. He goes from the scores table to basically the Raptors' coaching coach's box. Chest bumps. Yeah. Quinn Cook, very, very odd. You don't see that a lot. No. So I think that, I think the Warriors are kind of, I think they're liking it. You saw that video Draymond posted of him walking around in that OVO sweatshirt. Like, yeah, um, I, I promise I'm not worried about this, no basically. Like, no they're definitely feeding off of it. They're they're loving it. They love a little trash talk. You saw, most people saw probably Clay Thompson after the game. You think he's hurt. And he's saying all kinds of stuff about Drake, calling him a bum, all kinds of other things. They definitely understand the situation, and I think it's really made them a little mad and uh, kind of disrespected, so they know where he's at on the court. Like that chest bump you said, they knew where Drake was at. They were coming straight for him. They want him to see because Drake is egging it on more and more after every game. Drake picking that lint out of Steph's hair game one, I mean, that's something I didn't see till later. It's like, it's ooh, man, up. Drake kind of wins that. <laughs> like Drake won that specific thing. I'm with Drake there. You know, Steph, you got lint in your hair. It's NBA Finals. Kids are looking up to you. you change basketball. Get the lint out of your hair. <laughs> Get the lint out. Yeah. But the best part about that Instagram was his Venmo name was Draymond shouldn't wear number 23. And I think that is damn clever. That is, uh, he seems like a funny guy. He, he's a clever guy. He's got a lot of cool lines, nice puns in his songs. I mean, Drake, I just, I just kind of like the guy. You know, sorry. I, I'm not mad about it. I like what he's doing. And it's, it's brought back that uh, Rihanna video where she bows to LeBron in the finals a few years ago and then a fan yells something and she turns around and dabs. I love it. 
I like it. I, I liked that more because it was Rihanna and LeBron. But, yeah, no doubt. You know, whatever Drake and the Raptors will have to do. Uh, we'll take it. I, I'm not. It's entertaining at the least. I'm not mad at it, man. It's. I think it's the Spike Lee stuff with the Reggie Miller. I don't think they're going to make a 30 for 30 about this. No but doubt. They might because you don't know what's going to happen <laughs> for it the rest only, of the it series. Was only, it's only coming up on game three. And it has a lot of hype to live up to, especially if, I mean, it go, if it goes to a game seven, it might get a little out of hand. So does Drake sit on the floor at, the, at this Warriors game, game three? I, yeah. I feel like that's not something that he typically does. He does not, but he is Drake. I don't think the Warriors organization would allow it. Even, I'm sure he would offer top dollar for one of those floor size seats, but there is no way the NBA or the Warriors allow that to happen. I mean, it would, I think even though he is only a fan, I think his effect is kind of strong. And it's obviously, like we said, he's pushing the Warriors to – I mean, it's a little touchy subject. Like, you might need to draw it back a little bit. I don't know how the Raptors fans and players feel about it, but he's definitely making them upset. So it might be good for him to be on the court at Warriors, or they're just going to not even play games with that, and he's not going to even be in the facility. Yeah, I don't – I feel like he may not want to be there, but also it's it's the finals. So he usually doesn't go to the road games. He definitely doesn't sit in his usual spot on the road. But, I mean, he – can only be on one side of the court if he wants to be on TV the whole time, which he probably does, he does. given his Raptors seating assignment every single game right next to the coach. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to get those tickets. I don't know if Golden State lets it happen. I don't think the NBA is loving this, but they should be because it's definitely getting it talked about more and everything. I think more and, people are probably watching these finals yeah. just to see Drake courtside acting a fool. Yeah, I like the beef with Drake versus Warriors better than Drake versus Buck's daughter uh, <laughs> or Buck's owner's daughter. I I thought that was a little weird. A little low ball. Yeah. It was uh, pretty savage. Didn't love that from Drake. But now, you know, we're back. I'm, I'm not even really sure why. I don't know. He didn't really do anything cool to make me want to be back. But, you know, I, I liked his Del Kerr jersey game one, and, and I'm down for it. Drake got some good songs. I hear you, Great man. Great rapper. Signed Del Curry jersey was pretty impressive. Um, I think that was – very, very clever, and I think that might have gotten Steph's head a little bit and definitely made me laugh a little. Guy drove 10 hours to hand-deliver that jersey to Drake. That made it less cool to me. I, yeah. thought, he, I thought he had it. I would like to know what he paid for that. Yeah. I knew there was no way he possibly had that jersey, but I had no idea how he got it. I thought I thought he owned it, though. You know, that I don't know. I still have to think about it more. <laughs> Could change next podcast. It's pretty clever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but... Chase, what do you think happens in Game 3? The Warriors are minus 6. They're now minus 290 to win the series, like I said. How do you see this thing going? Mm. I mean, the Raptors, like we keep saying, that Game 2 is detrimental. I think if they want to win another game, Kawhi Leonard has to play his absolute best basketball. And say, not, I mean, not bashing the guy. He had 32, 34 last night. Being double teamed, that's tough to do. But like we've seen before, the Warriors are the Warriors. Their best players don't even have to play great, and they're still going to win games. Kawhi Leonard has to make plays, but it's going to rely on a lot of the bench. We need Lowry to step up, be consistent. Siakam has to do a lot. Serge even needs to do some stuff. Danny Green's got to knock down his shots. Van Fleet needs to keep playing well. He didn't shoot great from three last night, but he was productive. The whole team's going to have to play well if they want to hang in these finals anymore. And if KD comes back, it might just be over with. They might not win another game. You know, Kawhi... Kawhi's a guy that's got a lot going on. I saw today he's battling an injury. He also decided today he was going to sue Nike over his uh, his logo misuse of it since he's been a New Balance guy. Wow. That's a lot to have going on in the middle of the finals. And uh, the one thing I will say about the Raptors on a positive note is they won one game, obviously. And uh, they I don't see this series, any of these games being blowouts. No. I, I, I really do respect the Raptors in that way. I, I don't think the Warriors are head over heels better than them, but they don't have to be. They, they weren't really head over heels better than the Blazers, and they won in four games, and yeah. the Blazers led 20 more minutes than them. It just they find a way to win, and they score when it matters, and I, I think they have the best coach in basketball. Mm-hmm. Everybody always thinks that they could coach the Warriors and they could lead them there, but just watch the way they come out of the locker room. Watch the way they play that third quarter. That is Steve Kerr's greatness exemplified. I agree. And I don't see the Raptors winning either of these games, but I do see some close games. I could see them covering that five and a half, six in one of those, but hard to see them winning, man. It's going to be hard to see. And I like you putting that point in about Steve Kerr. He is a fantastic coach. And it comes down to the bottom line. The Warriors have been here before. 
This is their fifth straight finals, possible three-peat, Raptors first time. Kawhi, he went there with the Spurs, won it, finals MVP. He's proven it all playoffs. He's been playing exceptionally well. But none of these other guys have the experience. They haven't been in the finals. The Warriors know what to do. The vets know what to do. The role players know what to do. Like Steve Kerr, he knows how to drop a play. He knows how to get those guys amped. He knows who to get the ball at certain times. It just comes down to knowing the situation, and the Warriors have been there before, and they're, I mean, it's being shown. Absolutely. You know, Steve Kerr always seems to have the right five guys on the floor, and at times in game one, it's like, man, this man, this lineup's weird. Man, I don't know about this lineup here. Right. And it, it's weird because you haven't questioned that with the Warriors in years past at all because they've had KD on their team, and KD and Clay, no matter how they're rotating them, they usually had two of the three out there between KD, Clay, and Steph. So all their lineups look great. It doesn't matter what's going on. But now you see it, you know, if Steph goes out and it's just Clay out there and they guard him the right way. Like, I mean, are the, are the Warriors even that good? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, they totally are. Like, look at their coach. Look at what he's doing with them. Look at how he's already gotten Cousins completely flowing well into this offense. And I think he deserves as much credit as DeMarcus does for – uh, being awesome in game two and just a plus performance. I agree. I yeah, I don't see Toronto winning in Golden State, and then it's going to be really tough. Real when tough it's, when it's three one and that's and hard to come back from. Absolutely, and just back to Toronto in that way. But like you said, man, Kawhi he's proven it before. I think that he can hang in there, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Raptors role players did get hot and make some shots. Danny Green's been decent this series. He's hit a couple. He had a huge one in game two he where did. it just to kind of keep them surviving and everything. Big but shot. in Golden State, they're going to have to shoot well. They're going to have to make 10 to 15, maybe more three pointers. And I don't know. It, it's been fun, though. I'm glad we have a good series on our hands. I hope, I hope it continues to be well. I mean, like we keep saying, it could go south real quick on these two road games. But I like the point that I think, I think the Raptors role players are going to make some big shots. They realized last night that Kawhi can't do it alone, and I think they're going to have to realize they got to step up when he gets in the ball. They can't let him get doubled this whole series, or it's it's going to be real tough to beat them. So I think they're going to step up. I'm real questionable whether it's going to be a really good series or if it's just going to go real bad real quick. Could go either way. What do you think the exact series result's going to be? You'd probably like the Warriors to win, but in how many games? I'm going to go Warriors in six. Warriors and six, so the Raptors are going to win one somehow. I'll some give them one more. I think Kawhi can get them one more. I think we're going to see some close games. I think the Raptors are absolutely going to cover some spreads and get you some against the spread victories, but I don't think any real victories are coming. I think the Warriors no. are going to win in five. I'm so excited to see if KD plays or not. Very anxious to see. I really am. I, this NBA offseason is going to be fun, but it's hard for me to imagine him letting them win this title. Without him. I could not imagine. Like you pointed on earlier, the narrative that could be written if he doesn't play and they win would be crazy. It, it wouldn't be good for him, and he's obviously somebody who's very worried about it. Very. So I don't know. He's going to have to wait a long time to get that flipped a full year if he uh, doesn't come back and they and they win it. But No doubt. We'll see, man. Uh, who do you like to be the MVP of the series? I think with KD being out and – Clay, Clay's been playing well, but I think this is Steph's turn to get it. Even though, I mean, Draymond's been phenomenal. I guess he could be in the running for it, but I think Steph's going to really start lighting it up, especially um, if he gets some confidence under him and he really starts to hit shots. I think he's just going to explode and going for thirty every night. And I think it's, I think he's for sure going to end up with the Finals MVP this year. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's about his time. He has the most potential to score the most points, especially at Oracle. Draymond right now. It could be him with how well he's been playing. But Definitely. you know Draymond's not going to have a game where he scores 20, 25 or anything. And Steph could have a game where he scores 40 or 45. He's getting some good shots right now. He's, he's missing a lot. He and is. It, last night, if he would have had a Steph Curry type of second half, he could have gotten to 38, 40 points Easily. easy. So, yeah, he has to be just a huge favorite there. Draymond Green, I think, is your dark horse. I, this is Clay Thompson injury, it – it's going to be interesting because his stats last night are really good. And he, 18 game one, 25 in game two. So he's right there. He started out as like eight to one to be the MVP, but I don't know. It It's the injury ridden Warriors. It's so weird. And it could be actually very close for the finals MVP, you making those points. And especially with Curry scoring seven last night in the third, 
zero in the fourth and one of the dumbest mistakes I've seen by an MVP in finals history maybe. Him, they're up six, one minute, six seconds left, gets a technical foul. Silly, throws the ball in the air. Basketball player at any level, you know that's automatic technical. He didn't just throw the ball in the air either. He launched it. As high as he could. Like He wanted to find Mars with this ball. It was way up there, and it was about a foot away from hitting the ref in the head. No How doubt. crazy would that have been? That would have been hilarious. And he knew the consequences. He knows that's a technical. That was just a silly mistake on his part. And I understand maybe he's confident in his team winning that game, but that's a three-point swing right there. I mean, one minute left in a game two that you have to win at this point. I didn't like that. I don't. I don't know his thinking on that, and I thought it was very childish. He launched that ball, man. If that hits the ref and he goes down, what happens there? That's that would have made this finals infinitely more odd than it already is. It'd been crazy. And it, could you imagine if LeBron would have done that? Oh my gosh! I mean, LeBron, the Lakers might have just cut him the next day if he did that. I mean, people don't want to see LeBron doing something. That would like have been the top thing on sports center espn for even after the finals they would be talking about that that would be his narrative i've barely even that seen the stuff thing i've barely even seen it on espn no i saw it live and i haven't seen one thing about it since they're not making a big deal about it steph curry can get away with murder and they're fine with it i don't know about the murder thing chase but i do think he's gonna win the finals mvp and he is probably gonna win the finals no doubt it's been a pleasure man have to get you back on soon appreciate you having me man Hey, the Bachelorette, another two-hour-long journey for us. We're in this for the long haul. <sighs> what did you think of tonight's episode? I mean, an episode. Tonight was everything I could ask for. It had it all. It was riveting TV. Riveting TV. No roses at the end, though. Yeah, I was, I was looking at my watch. I'm like, so, Hannah, what's up? And then nothing. Just cuts off. Fades to black. I was like, okay. You know, last week, the main thing you're going to see from the rose ceremony is Cam's going to be gone. What an episode without Cam. What an episode. You knew that was coming, so I wasn't really excited for that. As, you know, I already knew what was happening. I was really excited for the rose ceremony. I thought it could have gone a lot of different ways. Oh, I was. Ex- I thought there was going to be for sure. some, maybe some hands thrown even. Luke P. obviously sucks. We'll get into it, but I really thought that she could have kicked either of them off, and I was really interested to see oh, which both way she Luke's? went. Yes. Yeah. I, Luke S., what? this guy's miserable. Not Cried a, for an hour and a half. I got tackled. Get over it. You played rugby. Not a big Luke S. guy, but, you know, I mean, you figure some of those guys weren't going to be as great as at rugby as some of the other ones. Oh, you, oh, you can see that. Yes. Yeah. It's fair judgment. And Luke S. doesn't look like he'd be a great rugby player. But, yeah, I really thought she would like r- really go either way with that, and – we missed out on that. Missed out on it big time. Start the episode. I mean, my first takeaway: Jalen Brown deserves a rose. He put in some work, and I don't think he was really prepared, but he was he was giving it his all. The episode was exciting. So she goes to the Celtics practice facility, plays a little two v two hoops with Jalen Brown and Louisville's own Terry Rozier. So it's it's Terry and Jed right against against Jalen and Hannah. And Jalen and Hannah get the W. That doesn't sound right. Not probably not great effort from Terry there. I would hope not, because scary. I mean, he he put Jalen on his booty. I, I completely disagree. But uh, Jalen and Hannah have a nice little private moment on the bench, where Jalen just has a, has a nice little quote. He tells her what to look for in a guy, what she should be looking for from the show. And I just thought it would have been a cool twist if at the rose ceremony that I was hoping to be a part of the episode. Obviously, I, I did not know it was a thing that we did episodes without rose ceremonies. But uh, if it was there, she kicked off like one extra guy at the end and was like, I have somebody else to add. Comes walking through the doors. Just dripping. Just cool outfit Does on. fly out. Jalen Brown. Oh, it would have been fire. I, I mean, a rose ceremony would have been great. I think that would have been cool. Jalen Brown seemed really into her when he was talking to her I, I don't know if Jalen Brown is married if he has a girlfriend but I just thought it would have been cool if for the last row she was like a six nine small forward from Cal Jalen Brown oh, I'd been what on, do you think? I'd been on my feet I'd have been on my feet for that so you like that idea oh yeah one of my favorite tweets that I saw just after it ended 
22-year-old Jalen Brown helping 24-year-old Bachelorette figure out how to deal with 30 guys and how to fall in love. Because that's what you want to talk to as a 22-year-old NBA player if you want to fall in love. Jalen Brown. Pretty cool guy. I liked it. I liked his appearance. One thing I didn't like about the basketball part of the episode, Jed, him and riding with this Jed guy. Still don't not like Jed, but Jed today called horse love. He said, let's play love instead of horse. It's uh, it's hard for me to get behind that. I'd have been fine if we played pig. I mean, playing love, that's it's a bold move. Like I legitimately could not believe that he said that. That The show, it's got some cringeworthy stuff on it. That, that right there was one of the worst I've seen so far. So, Jed, uh, Shay, your first biggest takeaway from the show. Uh. Well, it's, it's from Jed, and Jed pulling a power move here, being brutally honest with Hannah, saying, hey, uh, I came on this show to get my music career going, but you know what? I think, I, I think I'm here for you now. His exact quote, I came to get attention for my music, but I think I'm falling for you. Whoa. Unexpected. So, Shay, why don't you tell me what you think about that? I mean, I could see that he came on the show for music. It's a good idea. If you're thinking about it, you know, he's young. He still can find love. He's probably picking up some Instagram followers. Oh, easy. And, you know, in a city like Nashville, probably playing country music, you need all the publicity you can get. Doesn't seem like a great thing to tell Hannah. Unless he is falling for her. I think that opening up like that could be a big thing. I I mean, what? You know, how does she not just be like... Oh, so you're not on the show for me. You, you didn't come here for me. You came here to advance your music career. You're gone. That just seems to be something that could possibly warrant ejection. I could see that. I mean, clearly, I didn't watch The Bachelor with her on it. So for all I know, she said she was on there for attention and ended up falling for Colton. But you so, don't know that. I don't. You? Yeah, you're just, you're just kind of making that up. I can't see Hannah doing that. I can't either. But Jed, I can see Jed doing it because he did it. And, you know, Jed seems like such a nice, down-to-earth guy. He says some some smart stuff. I can see why people like him. I still think he has a chance. But I mean, he is your guy. No, dude. I, what, we'll get into that. My next biggest takeaway is rugby game. Pretty lit. Really enjoyed it. Oh, big fan of the rugby game. They do kind of finesse you with the previews a little bit. So they, they show the ambulance, and you're, you're thinking that somebody's going to get maybe laid out, break their collarbone, somebody's going to fight. They're showing Luke a lot of confrontation. And then... You know, it's like Kevin. It's like Kevin hurts his shoulder at halftime. Did they have to play uneven numbers after that? Because I thought that was just going to end the game. Well, I thought who someone was sitting out. I think it was Dustin was sitting out because they came with 13, but it was six on six. But, yeah, seeing Kevin getting the ambulance after he fell on his shoulder, I was like, this is what the ambulance was. Hmm. Pretty convenient. I was, I was wanting some blood, some bone sticking out, something. I mean, especially playing a, a big game like rugby. But you now John Paul Jones, not a big episode from him, but I'll tell you what. In the smarter amount of airtime he got, he was gone on the rugby field. Looking like sunshine. Right down the right sideline, holding the ball up like Champ Bailey, just celebrating early. Big play from John Paul Jones, just straight into the end zone, probably a 50-yard run. Well, you say that, but in rugby now, it's called the tri-zone. And I don't want to offend our rugby fans out there. I know there's thousands. So, yeah, but John Paul, big play out of him. Small episode, though. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all it was. You're a big rugby guy. You're a big rugby guy. You know a lot of rugby. Oh, sevens. But the sport. rugby game, you know, the main thing you get from it is this Luke-on-Luke Luke crime. A lot of discrepancy about what happened there between these two Lukes. Luke P. basically just spears Luke S. It's away from the play. There wasn't a referee. I don't think I didn't see one. They definitely didn't do much if there was one. Yeah, that seems like something that would have warranted a flag or whatever it is in rugby. But, I mean, yeah, I really thought that uh, if there was a ref there, that they might have had some more clarity on what actually happened. Maybe they don't want that. Another thing, I'm going to give you my third takeaway too here because I, I just got to get it off my chest. There's no replay review. You know, I was talking oh about goodness. a replay. I wanted that the whole episode. There's no replay review. And we, we've seen it, you know, college baseball implemented it a few years ago. And it's been really important. We, our cards today, two huge calls that replay review fixed for oh, yeah, these umpires that the missed it. cards weren't wrong. Clearly. And, you know, Luke P. and Luke S. are just saying that two totally different things happened in this rugby match. And at the end of the episode, they're saying two totally different things happened when Luke S. has Luke P. go talk to Hannah for him. It, it, that would look like just 
a baby move. Like, what what are you doing? It seems like a great time for some replay review. It'd be cool if Hannah could throw the headset on, like the officials do, and get walk, in the booth. Like the old school walk under the tent. Yeah. I'd love to have seen that. Really check love it out, because she doesn't really that. need help from the, the booth upstairs. You know, she just needs her. She just needs a nice little HD monitor to get that replay review on. And I just think that would really help the validity of the show. Second takeaway. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, second takeaway is Scary Terry needs to be a starting point guard in this league. Tell you that right now. Look like a player out there. He was in the episode for like two minutes, Shay. But How you, is that could one you not tell here? that he needs to be a starting guard? I think he needs to go to the Utah Jazz, team up with D-Mitch. Tell you that. Uh, well, you're catching me off guard here with a little Terry Rozier offseason talk, but I like him. I like to see him join the Suns. What do you think? I like the Jazz. I mean, the Suns, though. Him and Booker and Aiden be a solid team. That'd be cool. He'd get to play as much as he wanted. They have no point guard. That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll get back to talk now. That was just a little inside. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. What's your third biggest takeaway from the episode? Uh, golf pro Garrett. Uh, I'm not really sure what he's done. You're going to like this little reference. He's kind of like Bran. Didn't do too much, but now he's the leader of the little circle. For some reason, he's Luke S.'s dad fighting his battles for him. Luke S. is letting it happen. Did not like that. I was like, <laughs> what are you... You're just going to tell him what to do? Uh, um... I love the brand thing. But as brand would say about Garrett, maybe, you were exactly where you were supposed to be. You love that. Garrett, we find out he's a golf pro. Brian's sitting next to me. He's like, oh, he's a golf pro. Cool. He's my favorite. He's my favorite guy now. He's a golf pro. And then right after that, he, he looks at Hannah and he says, I'm crushing on you. Oh. Yeah, it's a tough line to hear. You know, that's one of the things where you're like, man, I cannot believe I don't have the sound on in this hockey game. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, it's it's it, it's cringy. Like, come on, dude. Jed, I, I think it's wild he said what he said, but I understand him getting a rose. Tyler C., I mean, incredible performance from him. We'll get into it. But just Garrett didn't seem like he is on the same level as those guys. No, he's 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 mid-tier. He's almost there, but he's I don't think he'll get there during this show. I just don't think he's a middle-of-the-episode rose type of guy. No, definitely not from what he showed, because he really was just fighting little battles in between, just trying to sound better than they were, than yeah, the, the Luke's were. The mutiny versus Luke P really helped the uh, non-star guys get a chance to kind of shine and get some lines in there. Oh, he's, they didn't even need to do much. They just had to not do what he did. And that's why Luke P looked like he might have not gotten a rose, but we got to wait a week. Shay, my fourth takeaway, we've gone too long in this Bachelorette talk without talking about our guy. Our guy now, Tyler C. So, Tyler C., I mean, Hannah's, she doesn't even know if she wants to go on the date, man. She's been going through it. She doesn't even know if she wants to go. Tyler C. walks up. Sup, girl? Classic. I mean, it was the line that got her going. She was visibly distraught. Tyler C. could see it. He sat her down. He's like, Hannah, it don't matter what we do today. We will have fun. I will promise you that. And what they do, they went out fishing. And they had a great time. This day is beautiful, but it's got nothing on you. Oh, I mean, that's... I might get that tattooed. Like, that's a line. Wow. I think you should get that tattooed on you. Just that would right be ridiculous. Right across my face? Yeah, not across your face. Face. face what about tattoos. my neck? neck? Uh, no, no, no face or neck I tattoos I feel for like you. everyone should see it all the time. No, just try to avoid that for the sake of Red Talk. But Tyler C., I mean, great date from him. He's out there. He's out there on the boat. He's He says some wild stuff sometimes. You know, he... He had a couple lines that, that I don't know were as great as, as the first two, the sup girl and the uh, beautiful day. It's got nothing on you, though. But uh, classic, uh, stay focused. Don't want you to get lost in my eyes. He knows, what he's, he knows what he's working with. Yeah. And, I mean, ending, that, ending their date with little Jake Owen. I mean, if I was on a date and Jake Owen was singing just for me and the girl, I mean, it'd be a ring instantly. I was made for, for you. you. I mean, it's beautiful. It was. Beautiful. It was beautiful. And he Jake he Owen's it. just the man. And too, Tyler so. C's in there just playing to the crowd. You know, he's in there just Friday nights the moment. for football games. Like, oh yeah, buddy. Oh man, dude. He, Tyler was here for it. He looks like he's been on this show a thousand times. But my favorite quote he had is he tells Hannah, "I'm not here for the Bachelorette. I'm here for Hannah." Wow. I mean, that just my heart sunk instantly. I was like, oh. I love that. Put that on a t-shirt. Big time t-shirt right there. I mean, that would sell instantly. Sell out. Classic line. Maybe the best I've heard on the show. Shay, your fourth takeaway. Pilot Peter. Didn't get a ton of airtime, but it seems like every time he's on there, he is making the most of his opportunity. 
I mean, he got Hannah to be his girlfriend tonight. That's pretty big. So I didn't understand that. I, w- I would like to discuss that a little bit. I, it, it was kind of weird that he asked her out. Did, did you think it was weird or did you think it was a good move? I think it was good. You know, there was some humor in it. And obviously, you can, from what I see, she likes him. And, you know, he, let, he lets the relationship be a little open. He, he lets her date other guys, too. So, you know, she doesn't feel confined to just him right now. Uh, Kendrick walked in. He's, he's not that happy that we're watching the show in general, but he pays about 10% of attention. He uh, hears that part, and he looks up and goes, What? I thought she kind of dated everybody. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I know she said that in there. I just, I just thought it was a weird move. And then he was kind of bragging about it like, Oh, nobody else? Oh, dang. Nobody else thought to ask you to be no there. No one else dates her yet? Yeah. <laughs> guess I do. Got a, got a leg up on everybody now. Yeah. Mm, but do you? I just don't know about Peter. People really like Peter, though. Like, Peter's oh, a fan I, favorite. Yeah. Easy. I, I mean, I think, like, fan-wise, from, like, what I've seen on Twitter, he's easy top three. Yeah, and I I just thought that was a weird move. I Maybe let us know. Let us know if that was a good move from Peter to ask her out. Oh, please. Message me. Let me know. I want to hear everything from y'all. Like, it'd be huge. I, I thought that was just very, very odd. My fifth and probably biggest takeaway from the episode is this Luke P versus Luke S battle. If you're going to come at one guy, so we'll throw all the Luke P and the Luke S stuff out for a minute. If you're going to come at one guy on the show, make him your enemy, try to get him off the show, probably, probably a good move to go at the guy with the same name. The guy that turns you into Luke P and not just Luke. What do you think about that? Oh, easily. I mean, you want to just be Luke. You don't want to be Luke S., but the way he's going about it, I don't think he's winning the battle. It's pretty bold. So something crazy. He was the Vegas favorite to win this show going into this episode. I don't know what it's like now. I don't know if it adjusts. Luke I, S was? Luke P. Oh, Luke P was. Okay, I don't yeah. understand it at all. But Luke P is three to two. That's incredible. It's it's wild. And then our guys, Jed and Tyler C, were six to one and seven to one. I was telling Brown, like, I don't I don't think I'll they put take, the house on Tyler. Yeah, I don't think they take bets on this, but we should go bet on both of them. Yeah, how how much how quick can we get to Vegas? Yeah, I mean, there's no way that Luke P is winning this whole show, it feels like. But it was really wild when Hannah just said, like just in the midst of conversation to the camera, that she had stronger feelings for Luke P than everybody. And that was before her one on one with Tyler. Like clearly she needed to be with Tyler and all she could think about was Luke P. I I thought that was absolutely crazy, but this Luke P, Luke S stuff, it's wild. Luke P is picked a very bold strategy to go with he he's it seems like he's told a few lies and he's just going to take them to the grave the whole house thinks one thing they're on luke s's side but luke s i mean he kind of sucks right? oh I, i'm not a fan of luke s at all we don't like luke s at all i mean what he brings no, i didn't know he was on the show till this episode he wasn't bringing anything to the table i figured luke p had to be luke p for some reason you know? I, I mean it seems like the ca- the house just switched from hating cam to now they're all targeting luke i'm like i think you're a little intimidated luke Pretty funny when uh, Luke P. was called a psychopath, and then he looked up the definition of a psychopath and then showed it to the camera. Not me. That would be uh, the definition of something a psychopath would do. Oh, it would be, 100%. Right there. Yeah, it, uh, that, that was pretty... Might have backfired on him. I, I didn't love that. Uh, your fifth biggest takeaway, what do you like? Uh, the epic battle of Luke P. and Luke S. <laughs> I thought that was just clear. I mean, these two... Well, Luke was on... You know, his, It was only him defending himself. Luke S. over here has Daddy Garrett coddling him the whole way, making him go apologize for saying bad things about Luke S. I'm like, can you stand up for yourself, buddy, in your tequila business you got going? Like, You sound like a Luke P. guy. Oh, I'm more Luke P. this episode than I was before. Because Luke S. made me dislike, like, I dislike Luke S. that much. See, you, I liked, liked, Luke P. you liked what Luke P. did. You liked the way he went about this episode. Uh, he finessed. Hannah, clear, clearly, he's doing something that Hannah likes. I mean, maybe he's been notified that there's no replay, and he thinks he can kind of work his way around the house a little bit. But I got to tell you, Shad, do not like Luke P. I don't like Luke S., but I don't know which one I like the least. I, I really wanted to see what Hannah picked, but yeah. Uh, Seven days. Last Ugh. extra takeaway where there were no roses, and that is highly disappointing. I, I was on this podcast getting mad at Game of Thrones about their ending, and I mean, I know the show's not over, but what was that? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't like it, but great move by ABC. I am on edge waiting for this episode now next week. And the previews for the next episode, they didn't show either Luke. So I don't know if that means they're both gone, only one's gone, you know. 
Man, you're I, picking you know, up either on way. stuff like that. I got really, really mad when they just said next week on The Bachelorette. I didn't even watch the preview, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was – I want to watch. I really want to see next I, week. I, I can't wait to have answers, but, I mean, instead of answers, it just goes straight to Celebrity Family Feud. We got Kanye West versus Kris Jenner on there. Oh, it's Team Kanye. A few Kardashians on there as well. Look like maybe the most epic episode of Celebrity Family Feud coming up ever, but all I wanted to watch was the rose ceremony. So, yeah. I hope this isn't a reoccurring thing. I do want to see my rose ceremonies at right before 10 o'clock. I guess we're going to have to wait till next week. I better be having two next week. I'll tell you that. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I guess there might be. I mean. There could be two rose ceremonies next week. There could. I'll see you then. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. TTYL. TTYL.